Previously on Kicking and Streaming. All right, kiddos, gather around. Granny's going to tell you about the time she posed nude. <laughs> That's foul. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. The time she fell in love and like tried to change her whole life over the course of four days. See, that's even worse. <laughs> this whole over-romanticized concept of meeting somebody from a different class on a ship, the grandest ship in the world, and falling in love, and you're gonna get off the ship together. <laughs> I'm rich and you're poor, but let's, let's dance, dance together. together. Exactly. Society won't like it. I don't care. So Jack and Rose are making out and it's really hot and the lookout in the crow's nest cannot take his eyes off of it. <laughs> and so he tries to get Randy with the other lookout because, you know, I mean, you're horny when it gets cold. <laughs> Is that what he's suggesting? No, but it's fun. <laughs> it's, it's fun to think so. <laughs> And so while he's watching these two kids make out, all of a sudden, uh-oh, it's Daddy Ice. <laughs> the Titanic strikes an iceberg. Dit, dit, dit. <laughs> Tears her ass apart. Oh, no, it's not funny. It's so basically, funny. now the ship is sinking like an ice tray in a sink. Yes, very much so. Find the carpenter. Get him to sound the ship. Okay. <laughs> Victor Garber says ship will sink. It is a matter of mathematical certainty. Welcome back to Kicking and Sinking. No, absolutely <laughs> not. You don't like it? No. Oh, come on. I think it's kind of in poor taste. Oh, okay. <laughs> God. Fine. It's so sensitive these days. <laughs> Didn't the Lincoln assassination just become funny? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people out here trying to make 9-11 jokes. And I'm like, no. If we're not even past the Lincoln assassination. Anyway, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are doing part two of our two-episode series on James Cameron's Titanic. <laughs> so, if you haven't listened to part one yet, this part may not make a lot of sense. Yeah, go listen. All right, and then just, we'll meet you right back here. Yeah. We'll wait. We'll pick it up. Before we... <laughs> we'll wait. <laughs> I like it. We'll just sit here. We'll just show each other TikToks until you get back. Absolutely. <laughs> Before we get started, don't forget you can go follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Kick and Stream. K I C K N S T R E A M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. Ross looks very eager today. Uh, I'm just I'll be saying. Driving. You're going to steer this conversation. You can talk too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you. You're I'm so just... welcome. <laughs> Thank you for being on my show. I mean, hey, you are our resident expert. See, thank you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. As in as in the people in this basement, you are by far the expert. You're right. <laughs> of the people in this basement, yes. So, seeing as I was I'm just... honored. <laughs> thank you. Seeing as how it's just you and me here, let's get this conversation started. Okay. So, when we left off, the White Star Line's RMS Titanic has just hit an iceberg at a quarter till midnight on April 14th. 1912. It was a Sunday. They are actually sinking a real set in a sink, in a giant sink, in a big tank. The biggest one ever constructed. The, the biggest film set ever constructed up until that point. This is going to be a big downer of an episode, isn't it? Guys, it's going to be a little down for a little bit, but stick with us. Stick with us. Back to the drama. <laughs> not that we're already not in drama, but. No, yeah. High drama. Lots of lives at stake. Hockley and Rose 
are standing in their suite and they've just hauled Jack off to the Master at Arms office because Hockley framed Jack for stealing the heart of the ocean. Yeah. And Rose was like, well, I don't know what to believe anymore. And I'm like, really? <laughs> she was going to get off the boat with this boy yeah. when they docked. And yeah. all of a sudden she doesn't know. She's but like, okay. Hockley doesn't have words. He's so angry at Rose. Oh, he's been made a fool of. Hockley is an embarrassed man. And that is a dangerous thing. And then that slap. Play it. Oh, my God. Play the sound of the slap. Oh, it is a little slut, isn't it? You look at me when I'm talking to you. Mr. Hockley. Not now. We are busy. He cracks her across the face and I just want to scream. I love how she just made one gasp. Oh my God. She's just like, well, <laughs> like when her head is all flipped back, I feel like she's just thinking, well, <laughs> I don't know what I, I don't know what I expected. <laughs> I'm sorry. Abuse is not funny. No, but, <laughs> but no. But what she must have been thinking as an actress. She just says to her. It's a little slut, isn't it? Oh my god, I hate him so much. I hate him. He's the, the arrogance of the wealthy is going to become a major factor as we go forward here. It's going to be a repetitive theme. So a steward comes in and is like, Oh, sir, put your life belts on and get out on the deck. It's going to be just a <laughs> bit of time before we can get underway again. The crew is going around passing around life belts and like the captain puts out a distress call to all the other nearby ships. S O S. Sir, got paper says to make 17 knots. Full speed for them, sir. She's the only one who's responding. The only one close, sir. Says they can be here in four hours. Four hours? How many ships were nearby? I mean, if you're talking about in the North Atlantic, there's probably 20. But how many were But like close by, probably yeah. two. Which we will talk more about. We will talk more about at this point. Smith is too calm. Captain Smith. The the news that the ship was actually going to sink, I just really think shook Captain Smith to his core. I think he's traumatized. And he wasn't, because this is his last crossing. Like, guys. Like, he almost made it. He's been a sailor for like 50 some odd years. Guys, I'm not trying to make a joke. He was three days away from retirement. Yeah, like seriously. I, I Honestly. That really took something out of him in the moment. And he never really recovered that night. The The reason that the sinking was the pandemonium that it was, was because the captain just checked out. Yeah, I mean. He, he checked out mentally. No one could get him to approve orders, give orders. Like, he was just walking around the ship like he was dead already. Like, it's really easy to rehash this stuff from the 21st century, but I can't even imagine being in that position. Oh, no. No, not at all. How would you have acted? You know, and that's what one thing that you think constantly while you're watching this film. Everybody out, life belts on. What? What's he on about? Everybody out, put your life belts on. Just put your life belts on. The approach to the evacuation of third class versus first class is very different. So basically all the first class people, they just kind of huddled them together in the reception areas with their life belts on and they were like, oh, it's just a precaution. Everything's just fine. We've likely thrown a propeller blade. That's the shuttle you built. Can I bring you anything? And meanwhile, the third class passengers are like getting out of bed and like standing in three feet of water. Uh -huh. And then with the Richies, they're all just like having drinks in their life belts. There's a band playing. Hey, Sonny, Miss. what's doing? You got us all trussed up here and now we're cooling our heels. Sorry, Mom. Let me go and find out. I don't think anybody knows what the hell's going on around here. 
is this an emergency or isn't it? Yeah. Like, could you be straightforward? And the, and the staff is like, let me go find out. <laughs> let me go find out if I can be straightforward with you right now. Hockley, I love it when he goes, God damned English doing everything by the book. Like, I can understand not wanting to incite panic, but we are not prepared. Rose and Cal are walking through the reception area and they see Mr. Andrews. Rose grabs him because she knows that if anybody's going to tell her the truth about what's going on, it's Mr. Andrews. Exactly. The ship will sink. Yes. In an hour or so. All this will be at the bottom of the Atlantic. Please tell only who you must. I don't want to be responsible for a panic and get to a boat quickly. Don't wait. You remember what I told you about the boats? No, things went from worse to the worst. It, it, very quickly. Yeah. She doesn't even know whether she's coming or going, honestly. She's been through so much in such a small span of time. And now we're sinking? Lightholler was a madman. Officer Lightholler? Ladies and gentlemen, your attention to see. Step this way, please. That's right. Come towards me. Thank you. Good. For the time being, I shall require only women and children. Charles Lightoller was the second officer on the Titanic. The guy who plays him does a really good job. I wish I had the actor's name in front of me. The tall English bloke. The tall English bloke. So basically, here's your chain of command. You got Captain Smith, Chief Officer Moody, First Officer Murdoch, and you got Second Officer Lightoller. So he's the fourth down. Well, Lightoller was the survivor of the Titanic who, like, was one of the chief reporters at the Inquiry in the United States after it sank. And he made himself out to be this hero. Oh. And he really embellished his reputation for being a savior on the Titanic when really he acted like a fucking lunatic and scared a lot of people because he realized with Murdoch too busy... He's in charge of getting everyone into the lifeboats. Lightholder literally did pull guns on people. He did threaten to shoot people. Like, and then he made himself out to be the hero of the RMS Titanic. And I'm just like, he was a loon. He should not have been in charge. Well, this was a little column A, little column B as far as the movie was concerned, right? Because it starts out with him rounding everybody up on the deck and mm -hmm. being like, okay, we're going to put the women and the children in the boats first. Yeah, after the steam finally dies away, he's like, yeah, women and children first, which was the protocol. Correction, first class women and children first. Yeah. If we're being really honest, we're going to get back to that more later. But yeah, it's going to be the first class people getting in the boats first. When we're back in the bowels of the ship and Fabrizio and Tommy are rushing through all those people and Tommy takes the last life belt from that steward before Fabrizio can get to it. We're going to come back to that. I love how they wrap that up. Oh my God. Wait, really? I've never noticed that. Yeah, the steward is rushing through the hallway and he's handing out life belts. Here, put it on, put it on, put it on. And Tommy gets the last one from him, but Fabrizio doesn't get one. Oh no. Yeah, you're going to hurt me with that later. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, the treatment of the third class passengers during this whole ordeal is some inhumane shit. Oh no, yeah, it's awful. All of these poor immigrants who are scrunched up to this, like, cage and these men have guns drawn on them telling them to get back and that you will not be allowed up to the boat deck until every first class passenger is off of this ship. And there are women and children gathered in this well and all these men are trying to push their way through so that their children and wives can live. Meanwhile, Jack is locked to a pipe in the bowels of the ship. The fact that Jack got left cuffed to a pipe in a sinking ship by the master at arms of the ship, I said that's gotta be against regulation. Technically, <laughs> 
technically the master of arms left Lovejoy in charge of Jack. But and he's a valet. He's not a law enforcement officer. But like... he was a cop, probably, maybe. <laughs> Meanwhile, back up on deck. Ruth is on Rose's last nerve. This next sequence is one of my favorite sequences in the film. Rose cannot with her mother's arrogance any longer, and here's how. <laughs> um, it's Rose's family's turn to get in the boat. Will the lifeboats be seated according to class? I hope they're not too crowded. Oh, mother. Shut up! Don't you understand? The water is freezing and there aren't enough boats. Not enough by half. Half the people on this ship are going to die. That That's Rose's breaking point. <laughs> yeah. And Rose just kind of grabs her mother and she's like, half the people on the ship are going to die. You arrogant fool. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I don't understand how you could be that out of touch. This is my favorite line in the entire movie. He goes, you know, it's a pity I didn't keep that drawing. It'll be worth a lot more by morning. And this is my favorite line. She just goes, you unimaginable. I love it. Great writing. I mean, hey, it's a it's a vocalization of what we're all feeling. Exactly. Right now. Thank you. It's so validating. Is that, that what you're trying to say? Exactly. It's Rose's turn to get in the lifeboat. Come on, Rose. You're next, darling. Come into the boat, Rose. She's hesitating. She just looks at Ruth and goes, "Goodbye, mother." Rose. Laurelay. This is the first time I see Ruth be a human. Like this is the this is when actual dread is hitting this woman, and there's no facade. That's her kid. Exactly. That's her kid. Like, oh, away. it's good to see you actually care about something. Yeah, but Cal grabs Rose. Are you cold? Oh, what to him? Your whore to gutter rat. No way. I'd rather be his whore than your wife. No. I said no. She <laughs> uses what Jack taught her and uh, hawks the biggest lug in his eye. I hate it. I knew this trivia was going to bother you. I just knew it because, you know, they did this take so many times. She had no saliva left and she had to start using lube. <laughs> oh, no. He's buckled over. You broke me. <laughs> she spit lube in Billy Zane's eye. Go, Kate. I love it. <laughs> I mean, I just love that. It's like, <laughs> how does he not get that take right? I, I, I don't know how you don't laugh. <laughs> it's Kate Winslet spitting lube in your eye. That's hilarious. Rose is on the hunt for Mr. Andrews so she can find out where the fuck Jack is. Yeah. And um, Andrews was really being an angel. Like, he, Thomas Andrews really did make sure he could get as many people out of the main castle of the ship as possible. Yeah, he's just going through uh, staterooms, right? Yeah. Trying to clear people out. Like, get on deck and get a life belt on. So Rose corners him and is like, I need you to tell me how to get far down into the ship. And he's like, what? She wants to know where the master in arms would take someone under arrest. And he's just like, I I need, I need answers. And she's like, no time to explain. No time, no time, no time. And so he gives her an impossible mental map about how to get down to the master of arms office first of all rose why don't you take the stairs but rose runs right to the lift <laughs> i'm sorry miss but the lifts are closed i'm through being polite god damn it now take me down 
I live for that moment. I do too. It's very it's very liberating to the character. She is has had it, and you're gonna get out of her way. Chained to a pipe, Jack starts seeing the water come in. <laughs> yeah. He's banging his handcuffs on the pipe. Can anybody hear me? Hello, help me! Can anybody hear me? Hello, I want an Oscar, please. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> For real. Like, I'm sorry. That's just all I could think about. It did take Leo a little too long, didn't it? It did. God damn it, Academy. Jack! Jack! Rose! Jack! Rose, I'm in here! When Rose gets down there and she's yelling his name, that's when I started thinking about the Cinema Sins video. Yes. Where they count every <laughs> single time that each character says the other one's name. It happens a lot. It happens like 300 times. <laughs> Jack, Rose, Jack, Rose, <laughs> Rose, Jack. <laughs> I'm here, Jack. Where are you, Jack? I'm going to drop that in the related media. <laughs> Please, I was going to ask if you would do that. That's good stuff. Please put Titanic Cinema Sins. <laughs> she follows the sound of his voice. Again, he's chained to a pipe, and Lovejoy took the key with him. <laughs> We're in a bit of what they call a pickle. No key. There's no key. All right, Rose, listen. You're going to have to go find some help. It'll be all right. Be right back. I'll just wait here. The whole, I'll just wait here, <laughs> was a poor attempt at comic relief, and it did not land. I don't know. I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> like, I get I... <laughs> I get what Jim's doing. It's a tense sequence. He's peppering in the humor. But at the same time, it just is lost on me. <laughs> I'm just like, shut up. Like, that's what I think. I wrote, her dumb ass is going to get lost looking for somebody. Yeah. <laughs> She's running around all through these halls. Is anybody down here? <laughs> Hello? After assaulting a man who will not listen to her, she's just, she begins to hyperventilate. I love this sequence where it's just, it's like three minutes of her silent, alone, in the hallway, with no one. Hello? That hello, it, there's no one there. I know. It's awful. And then, oh, the answer's right in front of her. There's an axe. <laughs> you axe, then God provides. <laughs> she takes that hose, busts that glass, and takes that axe. This had to be so tough to film, I bet. Oh, my God. I mean... All of the divers and the cameramen involved. Yeah, and at least they got to wear wetsuits. Exactly. She didn't get to wear a wetsuit. When Okay, so when she gets back into the hallway where the Master at Arms office is, it's almost flooded to the ceiling. But she's got to get back in there. Now she's got an axe. <laughs> and unfortunately, she's got to axe the chain between the handcuffs. She's got to hit it just right. Maybe mm. it'll work. Maybe his hands will be on the floor. So she brings the axe in and he's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Try a couple practice swings over there. <laughs> Good. Now try and hit the same mark again, Rose. You can do it. She does not hit the same spot. She, she hits the go. other side of the cabinet. <laughs> not even close. He's just like, okay, that's enough practice. I just love him because he knows they're running out of time and whatever. He's either going to drown or he's not going to have hands. She holds that axe up. Listen, Rose, I trust you. 
screaming because he's like oh my god i can't believe you did it yeah like he gets in the water and he's like oh shit this is cold <laughs> yeah like welcome to the club leo <laughs> and also guys rose has now saved jack yeah they're kind of even uh, up on deck mr andrews is persnickety andrews gets right in lightoller's face and he's like mr lightoller why are the boats being lost half full not now mr andrews there look 20 or so in a boat built for 65 and I saw one boat with only 12. 12? Well, we weren't sure of the weight, Mr. Andrews. These boats may buckle. Rubbish. They were tested in Belfast with the weight of 70 men. Now, fill these boats, Mr. Lightoller, for God's sake, man! There's no excuse for that. I don't even know where to begin with this, Ross. We already know there's not enough lifeboats to accommodate the people. And they're launching them half full. What's really going to happen for the rest of this movie is we're going to chase Jack and Rose above and below deck. Kind of in a snake pattern. It is. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Sorry. Had the same thought. (laughs) Because now they're below deck, right? Where the Master of Arms office was. And remember how we talked about the third class passengers are basically being trapped below Mm E-deck? Well, it's getting a little panicky down there. Yeah. Let's talk about the incident in the stairwell with Fabrizio and Tommy. So... The gang gets back together, right? Yeah. Jack and Rose and Fabrizio and Tommy all meet back up. And, you know, there's already rumors among the panicking third-class passengers. It's like, hey, I heard there's no more boats. Yeah. Yeah. And we're still down here. Yeah. Tommy's, like, pressed up against the gate, yelling at the steward. Like, hey, could you let us out so we can have a chance to live, please? Tommy, Fabrizio, and the couple reunite. And Fabrizio and Tommy are just like, they're not going to let us through up here. And so Jack's like, going to have to find another way. Let's go. So off we go. Also, can I talk about one thing real quick? They cut this whole B-plot out of the movie. It's great. You can watch the whole thing in deleted scenes. (laughs) Yeah. But Fabrizio... Has himself a little side romance that we never get to see in the cut in the release cut of the film. Is that the gal he's dancing with in the, it's the steerage bl- scene? It's the blonde Swedish girl. It's okay if I put my hand there. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Fabrizio said consent is mandatory. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> in nineteen twelve. Where for, y'all been? Good for Fabrizio. And yeah, I forget what the character's name is. It's like Helga or something. This is where they part ways. He sees like he has to go, he wants. He, he has to go with Jack. Yeah. And he doesn't have to go with Jack, but he decides to go with Jack. But her parents will not let her go with him. Oh, no. And I mean, would you? Well, no. If you were those parents. I wouldn't. You can't run off with this foreigner. Well, wait, aren't we roasting Ruth for the exact same reason? And wait, aren't we all foreigners? (laughs) Yeah, no, (laughs) this is true. These are facts. So they take off. We get a shot of Hockley getting in his safe, takes all the cash, puts it in his pockets, takes the diamond, Puts the loose diamond in his coat. I still can't believe that. Like, I would have at least put it on. I hate this exchange. I make my own luck. So do I. He brandishes that gun, his sidearm, inside his coat. I know. And I'm just like, oh, you think you're real tough. The immigrants are basically done at this point. They really, I mean, hey, the White Star Line at this point doesn't care if these people die. Because they're poor. Jack Rose, Tommy, and Fabrizio come across this less crowded gate. And the man behind it's like, you have to go back there. I'm not letting you through here. Get on back. And Jack gets in his face. Jack loses it. <laughs> you should play it. I'm gonna. Open the gate. Go back down the main stairwell. Open the gate right now. Go back down the main stairwell like I told you. God damn it. Son of a bitch. Stop that. 
It's one of his better moments in this movie. So Hulk get angry. <laughs> and then Hulk, Tommy, Fabrizio, and Rose tear a bench out of the floor and knock down this gate. It's really funny. While they're about to use it as a battering ram, you can see a shot of the stewards behind the yelling <laughs> steward just taking off. They're like, fuck this. I'm out. smash that gate down. Tommy smashes him down. Oh yeah. And so now everybody's scrambling to the surface. Things are not faring well up on deck. Things are getting panicky. There are very few lifeboats left. The men are getting rowdy. Yes, there is this wall of men crowding around lifeboat number six. Officer Lytoller is manning this boat. And just the way that Lytoller just whips that pistol out. Get back, I say, or I'll shoot you all like Dogs. Keep order here! Keep order, I said! And he's just like Umbridge, like, I will have order. Oh my god, it's crazy. It's scary. He scared a lot of people. I bet! And Lightoller really did lose his cool like that. Oh my god. He shot at a couple of people. And there were testimonies in the inquiries about the gunfire and about exactly how much gunfire there was that night from officers scaring people into staying in line. We are panicky animals. We're running out of time. This strutting martinet isn't letting any men on at all. There's one on the other side letting men on. Well then, that's our play. We'll need some insurance first. Hawkley buys a seat. Yeah, because Murdoch's the one that is letting the men on the lifeboats at times, Yes, right? and I don't like the portrayal of Murdoch accepting a bribe, but he does for a second. Like, Hockley puts that money in his pocket. He's like, we have an understanding, right? And he just, he doesn't say anything. He's just like, you know what? Screw you. And then just like takes the money anyway. I mean, hey, he must have thought, he must have thought he was getting off that ship at some point to spend that money or why else take it? So we get a shot, uh, a long shot of the aft and you we see Jack, Rose, Fabrizio and Tommy come out of the aft castle. And like somebody rushes past one of the band's members and like side checks them and he goes, What's the use? Nobody's listening to us anyway. Well, they don't listen to us at dinner either. Come on, let's play. Keep us warm. Orpheus. And Wallace Hartley, who was the leader of the band on the Titanic, he was well known in the UK. Um, He wasn't necessarily famous, famous, but he was known, at least in the greater London area. I love the actor that portrays him. I think he does a really good job. I like to picture Wallace Hartley actually being like that. Well, they don't listen to us at dinner either. Come on, let's play. Keep us warm. (laughs) Orpheus. And I'm like, (laughs) how cheery. Can we talk about Mr. Ismay? The part where, you know... Murdoch gets a boat as full as he possibly can, and Ismay is standing there helping people get on. Prepare to lower! Right before it lowers, Murdoch notices him getting that boat, and he just kind of like stares at him for a second. Take them down! Keep it steady! This was his fault! This was, well... I mean, if you we could were... argue that this is Captain Smith's fault. Captain Smith worked for the White Star Line. I'm just saying, there's a lot of blame to go around this whole ex- this whole historical event because like, there were so many places where a different choice could have been made, and this might not have happened. Okay, the next scene is heart wrenching. 
we have finally gotten Rose closer to a boat. These poor kids are in this boat. Daddy! It'll be fine, Dad. Take her! Don't you worry! Hey, get in the boat! It's goodbye for a little while. Only for a little while. There'll be another boat for the daddies. This boat's for the mummies and the children. You hold mummy's hand and be a good little girl. All of these poor children do not understand. This is going to be the last time they see their father. Rose is standing there watching it and like she's just it's probably like the third or fourth time she's watched a family be be separated and she knows she knows if she gets on this boat she may not see these people again not just Jack but Fabrizio and Tommy and even Hockley and even Hockley yeah even Cal not that she gives a crap about Cal at this point much like the rest of us so Jack's trying to put Rose on this boat oh who horns in Hockley! It's Cal. Lovejoy tells Hockley, who's waiting for one of Murdoch's boats, that Rose is on the other side trying to get in one of Lightoller's boats. And he's not going to let this go. I can't believe this. Like, yeah. He really thinks that she's his property. I know. He really does. It's like she's another diamond he can't leave on that ship. And I just, I don't get it. He could have just gotten on the boat and we wouldn't have to think about him anymore. We wouldn't have to talk about him ever again. But not yet. So Hockley runs up to Rose and is also trying to convince her to get on the boat. And Hockley tells Rose that he has an arrangement with an officer on the other side of the ship. You know, the boat that just left. Oh, boy. And he tells Rose that he will let Jack get off with him. I have an arrangement with an officer on the other side of the ship. Jack and I can get off safely. Both of us. See? Got my own boat to catch. So here's something that's important to remember. When he comes up to tell them about the deal, he takes his coat off and puts it on Rose, right? Because she's cold. Yeah. Just... Put a pin in that because it will come back. And so Rose gets in the boat and we have a very... (laughs) Oh, this sequence tears you up. She's going down in the boat. It's all happening in slow motion. Yeah, they're just staring at each other. And Rose is getting progressively more and more upset because I think you're right. After just watching another family get separated, I think she knows in her heart that this is going to be the last time she sees Jack. Oh, and the vocalizing and the fireworks behind Leo DiCaprio's head. And you're just caught up in it. And I hate them for it. Here we go. Oh my god. Rose gets back on this sinking ship and in the complete wrong way. For the second time. And Jack (laughs) runs into the ship. They meet each other in the grand staircase. Oh, how symbolic. And (laughs) yeah. You're so stupid. Why'd you do that, huh? You're so stupid, Rose. Why did you do that? Why? You jump high, jump right. He's hugging her and he's kissing her repeatedly. He's like, you're so stupid. Why did you do that, huh? You're so fucking stupid, Rose. We are all Jack in that moment. You jump, I jump, right? And I just want to smack her. <laughs> you want to, I want to barf. Personally. I just want to punt her. 
down the promenade. Cal is witnessing all of this and he just cannot believe that after all of that, she would still choose this third class nobody over him. Yeah, it's a little too much for him. You can see it in his face. I just can't believe that this is his breaking point. <laughs> Lovejoy like tries to hold him back. He's like, you know what? Let it go. And he's like, you know what? I'm gonna need your gun. Pulls Lovejoy's pistol out of his hand and begins to chase Jack and Rose to the depths of the sea with it. So now we're being chased back down into the bowels of the ship. I right? love this very, yes, I love this very Bond sequence where they're running down the grand staircase and he's shooting at them. Because it just kind of spirals down, right, from deck to deck, going all the way down to E. Like zigzags down, yeah. Yeah. E deck is almost to the ceiling flooded and they managed to get through into the dining saloon. Yeah, remember where we were having that lovely dinner like two nights ago or whatever? He almost hit them a he, couple of times. He sure did. And I like, I just want to know what's snapped in his brain and went, I don't care if either one of them are dead. I'll do it myself. And so they get away. <laughs> they're and like, Hawkley, they're like sloshing away in waist high water. I hope you enjoy your time together. I hope you enjoy your time together. He He's does, just like, oh, my little wee wee. I know. <laughs> I can't believe how butthurt he is. This is a life or death situation. <laughs> he's ankle deep in water at the bottom of the staircase because he's not going to wade into the water after them. And he just starts a giggling. <laughs> what could possibly be funny? I put the diamond in the coat. I put the coat on her! It's one of the greatest moments in cinema, as far as I'm concerned. That priceless diamond. <laughs> now, it's no longer- It's gone. Here. It's gone. <laughs> it's just gone. It's absolutely 100% gone. gone. With a gutter rat in his whore. <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe it. So, okay. So they get down into that hallway. Trying to rescue the kid is awful. Oh, God. Yeah, this sequence is rough because now we're like down in E-deck again, right? Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be deserted, but there's that one screaming kid. There's a little check boy. He's not accompanied by an adult and the hallway is flooding very quickly. The water's coming in everywhere. And he is soaked. We can't leave him. All right, come on. They pick that kid up and they're trying to find a way out of that flooding hallway. Dad comes back into frame, yelling at them in check, grabs the kid out of their arms, goes back for the suitcase, and they're like, wait, dumbass, don't go down there. And then the water comes in. I love the shot of them running down the hallway away from the water that's coming in. And the music playing over it. I know. It's so epic. These shots were the most dangerous to film. Why is that? Well, actually, the most dangerous inside the set to film. Because those are live shots. So it's like All having a high-pressure water slide going through your set. Exactly. Oh, God. The, the, the set was really being flooded very, very quickly like that. Yikes. And Leo and Kate were running from this deluge through this maze. Oh, that's right, because the water comes in through those doors. And it definitely takes the kid and the dad. 
Unlocking the gate is too much for me. Oh my god. Okay, so of course, over and over again, we almost drown several times. Yes. And this just happens to be one of the worst times because they come up to another locked gate and they're trapped. The water's coming up. They're out of time. They can't go back to the level below them. And the steward runs by with a key. The steward drops it. And there's this very suspenseful sequence where the water is risen them to the ceiling. Oh yeah. And Jack is trying to feel around. And finally gets it and finally gets it in there. And and they finally get out. But the whole thing is, I can't. I can't. I fast forward through it. I know. I, it, I didn't want to watch it. You know, you're going to, you know, they're going to get through it because you've seen it a million times. But it, it's still done so well. Music, lighting, the shots. I really love water, but I'm really afraid of drowning. Oh, me too. Like, so. I, the, I cried a couple of times through watching this. I'm just going to, I'm not just, I just want to say small trigger warning because this part just. It's rough. It is rough. And I mean, we've done, we've been through a lot up to this point already, but I really hate this for some of our supporting characters. So there's clamoring into a boat. Tommy's at the forefront of it with Fabrizio. This is the boat that they found on the other side. Murdoch is manning this boat. Hockley comes running up to Murdoch and he's like, okay, I want to get in the boat now. Good fuck! We had a deal, Adam. The money can't save you any more than it could save me. I would sure like to know. I feel like we're missing a scene there in the middle where Murdoch had like an epiphany because I feel like he reneges on that offer very quickly. Oh, he does. He's telling everybody to get back away from him. And Hockley keeps coming up and Murdoch takes all of his money out of his pocket and throws it in his face. He's like, your money can't save you any more than it can save me. And then literally all that happens is someone falls off a davit, pushes Tommy forward. Murdoch views it as an attack and shoots Tommy in the chest. It's like a reflex almost. Yeah. Because all of these men have been clamoring forward. Murdoch was panicking there at the end because he had some of the last boats and everybody was closing in on him. Trigger warning for suicide, guys, because... Murdoch turns the gun on himself. First officer Murdoch didn't actually kill anybody. This was something that was added for the, you know, obviously this Tommy Ryan person didn't exist either. Yeah, I guess they didn't feel that bad about killing him because he wasn't real. First officer Murdoch definitely did commit suicide. And I think they used this as a device to get to the suicide because no one really knew what made Murdoch decide to take his own life. But it's around the time that the bridge goes under that Murdoch killed himself. And a lot of people testified that they witnessed an officer shoot himself in the head. And they everyone believes that it was Murdoch. Encountering Andrews in the lounge is so sad. Right, because now Jack and Rose are back up cl- or on their way back up deck again. Mm-hmm. And up deck? Is that a They're thing? on their way back up to the boat deck. And they're running through the lounge and... She doesn't, she almost doesn't notice him, but Andrews is just standing at the fireplace and she's like, hey, 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 what up? Wait, wait up. <laughs> what are you doing? Wait, wait, wait. Mr. Andrews, won't you even make a try for it? I'm sorry, but that didn't build you a stronger ship, young Rose. I he, think he probably feels a little responsible. And, you know, Rose is the one that he apologizes to. Yeah. Because I feel like he thinks 
I think he feels like he needs to apologize to everyone, but I think Rose was just there. Rose has a life belt on, but Jack doesn't. Andrews gives Jack his life belt. I know. Good luck to you both. All right. This is where the mood continues its downward spiral, right? Yeah. This is the part where the band starts to to put their things away, right? It's the beginning of the long, slow montage set to Near My God to Thee. The Near My God to Thee sequence is wrenching. Why don't you tell us how it starts with the musicians? Hartley's like, okay, I think it's getting down to that point, gentlemen. Yeah, And here comes the water. So they just kind of all shake each other's hands and they almost part ways. But then Hartley's like, I've got one more in me. The cellist and the other violinists, they just like come right back to him and they start playing it with him. They did play Near My God to Thee on the night of. It was the last tune people remember hearing before the music finally stopped. And we get all of these terrible images of people trying to save their own lives. It's during the playing of the song that the bridge does go under. This is where Fabrizio, like, takes the life jacket. Tommy's lifeless body is being washed away, and he takes the life jacket with the bullet hole in it off of Tommy and puts it on himself. The life jacket that he didn't get. Yeah. Remember? Because mm-hmm. Tommy got the last one. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I wish you hadn't pointed that out. Yeah. I didn't think this movie could get any more emotionally wrenching. Thank you for that. That's what I hate about this montage. It's just so awful because all of these people are just preparing to drown yeah and the water finally washes up to the band and then hartley says you know gentlemen it has been a privilege playing with you tonight we're entering the last leg of this carnage so this is when the final plunge begins to happen there's this really intense sequence in the grand staircase where they're flooding it. They had one shot. They did, because... They had one shot at getting that shot, and it was going to ruin all of the set furnishings. Yeah, no no doubt. The last figure we get a shot of in the staircase is John Jacob Astor. Oh, yeah. Who was the richest man on the ship, and who... It's just... He's just standing there watching all these people try to swim up the staircase, and then the dome busts in. Oh, the music. checked in with Jack and Rose in a while, but this is where we get Jack saying to Rose that they have to stay on the ship as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the stern is starting to rise. Very and, sharply. Yeah, and everybody who's not just jumping off the ship at this point is running to the end of the stern. Okay, I have to talk about one comical thing. <laughs> you have to talk about one right now. Yes. In the middle yes. of all this yes, I horribleness. Do. Yes, I do. You want to talk about one comical thing. And that three-disc set of the Titanic I was telling you about, the special features one. Yeah. You can watch the cut of the film with commentary, and one of the commentaries is Ken Marshall, who was the visual artist for the whole film. Okay. And has done a fair amount of artistic projects when it comes to the history of the Titanic. He's talking about, you know, there's that awful shot where that guy jumps off the back of the stern and he hits the propeller blade. Ugh, why? And Ken Marshall, during that, he goes, I had a lady come up to me after a screening of this film and go, the guy that hit the propeller, was he okay? Oh 
what? And, and, and Ken's just like, and Ken's just like, no, lady, he's computer generated. <laughs> like, oh my god, we didn't make an extra. That's horrible. <laughs> That's awful. I guess you could say that these were some fun stunts for the extras. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> who doesn't want to go sliding down a long deck? At like 15 miles an hour. You have all these shots where the ship is at a 60 degree angle in the water and people are like sliding down the promenade decks. Fun fact, they're little scooters. Oh, really? They have little wheels on the bottom of their life belts. Oh, so my they God. So they shoot them sliding down the promenade deck. I'm really glad that we were able to find some levity in this. Yeah. Because this movie is hard on the soul there near the end. Yeah. I'm glad that these pieces of trivia can help us in this troubling time. Shooting this whole sequence was a major operation. A lot of parts of the set were padded. Oh, well, yeah. Like, you know, the big... Okay, so there are big anchor ballards on the stern where, you know, they would put the anchor ropes. And you can see in some of the shots when people are falling down and hitting these ballards that they're foam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're not, they're not going dong. They're going thunk. Jack and Rose finally get their way over the aft well deck and then they get up onto the poop deck and please <laughs> please don't giggle um oh i'm sorry i'm kidding no no this is the part where people start reciting you know passages from revelations he goes yeah either i walk through the valley of the shadow of death and jack's behind him he's like you want to walk a little faster through that valley <laughs> again these moments of levity we did not talk about fabrizio did I really forget about Fabrizio? It's okay. Oh no. So there's this great cut and they cut it out of the movie and Hockley is on the collapsible and Fabrizio tries to get into the collapsible and he reaches out his hand to Cal and he goes, please, I need to get to America. Oh no. And Cal throws him into the water and goes, it's that way. <gasps> that didn't make it into the final cut of the movie? No. And that's why Fabrizio is swimming away. The forward funnel did fall over. It nearly capsized both collapsibles and it kills our dear friend Fabrizio. Everybody pour one out for Fabrizio. I hate that that didn't make it into the final cut because he's already a caricature yeah. of immigrant life and they cut him out of a lot of the movie. They do. They yeah. cut out his subplot and then they cut out that scene. Jack and Rose finally get to the stern, the very back of the ship, and they're holding on for dear life under the very back railing. <laughs> I love this moment. And Rose just looks at Jack. Jack, this is where we first met. I can't believe that we've come full circle. I know. We're literally on the spot where she was gonna jump off and he saved her. And now they're on the back of the ship fighting for their lives. It's just, I just can't get over it. It's great. Basically, the double bottom separated because there's relatively 40,000 tons hanging in the air and it became too much for Titanic to stand up to. The top came apart. I love how we get Lovejoy's little meet his maker because we don't know what's happened to Lovejoy between you know Jack and Rose getting away from him and Hockley and now he's rough that last time we see him he's got injuries and he's right there where the hull splits in two he is right at the place where the ship breaks and the ship broke in between the third and fourth funnel it's horrible the stern just free falls hundreds of feet I 
I hate this moment because I can kind of feel that feeling because we've been on the drop zone. Oh, yeah. That feeling we're just and I guarantee you 100 percent it's the exact same feeling for all of those people. You guys were you guys have been on a drop zone like ride, right? Where Maybe. they take you up hundreds of feet and, and then, then just they, drop you. And then they just drop you. So remember Lewis's explanation. Now the stern is going to fill up with water again. Yeah. So the bottom was actually still attached to the stern. And as obviously the bow is not going anywhere but down. So the bow pulls the stern back up in the same direction. The bow pulls the stern entirely vertical. It finally detaches under the water, but no one sees this happen. Jack and Rose, while the stern is rising vertically, cleverly, get onto the very back rail. There's a couple of characters at the very tip top with them, and one of whom is Helga, Fabrizio's. See, when you mentioned her Mm -hmm. earlier, I was wondering, oh no, is that the girl that's with them on the stern? There's this moment where, before the breakup, where... There's this freezing blonde next to Rose and they exchange a small smile. That's Helga. That's oh, Fabrizio's no. girlfriend. Oh my god. And guys, just watch the director's cut. Yeah. Like it's a long one, but it's a ride. After probably about 5 minutes, the stern slowly starts to go under. I love how the chef is just taking pulls out of his flask mm-hmm. like this is it. This is this that's is what, the last stretch. That's what Jack says, he stands up on the railing and goes As the stern goes down, it does get noticeably more and more violent because of all the pressure. When the water gets to the aft cargo hold, it bursts open and all this steam starts coming out. And on the way down, Jack has got Rose by the hand and he's like, The ship is going to suck us down. Take a deep breath when I say. Kick for the surface and keep kicking. Do not let go of my hand. I love the shot of the very back of the stern going under. It says Liverpool. It says Titanic, Liverpool. We're gonna make it, Rose. Trust me. I trust you. I love the shot of them flailing around with everybody underwater and you can barely see the golden letters disappearing into the depths. Oh, it's just fading away into the darkness. And I'm just like, oh, my God, it's going to be 80. It's going to be 84 years before they find it again. I know They're, Um, they're briefly separated after they go under. Right. But they eventually find their way back to each other. Also, there are 20 boats floating nearby. Oh, yeah. I just, I I don't even, uh, but here's uh, the thing. I'm sorry. I'm having to mentally prepare myself to have this conversation because I still can't believe this. No one wanted to go back because they were afraid. I know. They were afraid that they had a, they had a right to be afraid. You have 1,500 terrified, panicking people in hypothermic water. And you're afraid they're going to pull you down with them. Exactly. I know. I just can't imagine making that decision when you can hear them calling for help. This is where we get the scene with Molly. Oh, God, yes. This is where unsinkable Molly Brown comes from. Oh, Kathy, I love you. Molly Brown really did get in Chief Officer Moody's face and say, we need to go back. This is this is terrible. She really expected somebody else to back her up. Anybody, She's really. Like, grab an oar. Let's get going. Yeah. I don't understand a one of you. What's the matter with you? It's your men out there. 
There's plenty of room for more. And there'll be one less on this boat. If you don't shut that hole in your face. Moody really did shut Molly Brown down right away. You know, she didn't say anything else after that because what is she going to do? This whole next sequence is just mortifying. Yeah, because we got to talk about the door first, don't we? (laughs) I know we're both we're both gearing up for this. We've come to the door. (laughs) Really, your best chance of survival in these North Atlantic waters was to get on top of something. Get out of the water. Yeah, we find a door. Jack and Rose, who have reunited, find a door. Oh, God. Okay, so here's the thing about the door. We can have this conversation quickly, okay? Yeah, there's nothing else to be said, but that they can both fit on the door. We're gonna just get this out of the way, then we're not gonna talk about it again. Yes, they covered this on Mythbusters. Yes, both of them could have fit on the door. It didn't work out in this fictionalization of events. Okay. Jack gets her up there. And that's enough for him. You could be... I mean, they both try to get on it, but it capsizes a little bit. That's exactly my point. You could say right now they should have done X, Y, Z. Cool. Yeah, I would like to see how you behave in this situation. People think about it way too much. A few of the lifeboats actually did a huddle. Finally, you know, it's office. It's sixth officer Lowe who decides, like, this is inhumane. We gotta go back. We gotta go back. And... While they wait for the lifeboats to come back, Rose is trying to say some goodbyes. And Jack's like, don't you do that. It was promised me that you'll survive. That you won't give up. No matter what happens. Promise me now, Rose. And never let go of that promise. I will never let go, Jack. He's the one that's freezing to death in the water right now. Yeah, he's got so much zeal in this moment, but her body is shutting down and... She's losing hope. You think his body isn't shutting down? He's saying some very lovely things to her. And he's talking about how, like, you know, you're the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. And I just need you to know that. He's giving her hope. He's saying, you know, you're going to get out of here. You're going to live a long life. And she's just like shaking. And Okay, I promise. No guarantees, but like, I'll promise you if you'll stop talking. I'll never let go. Yeah. I'll never let go, Jack. The lifeboat finally comes back. I love the office. I love the actor that plays Lowe. He does such a good job. Him and his Scottish brogue. Is there anyone alive out there? People in the lifeboats can remember him in the distance yelling. It was the only noise. And all you can hear is low. We can see the light begin to shine on her face. She sees the boat and she starts trying to wake Jack up. Jack! Jack! There's a boat! The vocalizing starts and she starts sobbing. She just keeps saying his name and trying to shake him awake. And you're a puddle. Yeah, it's rough. I think the audience feels what Rose feels in that moment. Like, wait, no. I almost had this. No, 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 no. This is not happening. Like, how did you slip away and I not even notice? Oh my God. The boat is starting to turn away. Then something comes to her. I promised Jack I'd get out of here. Come back. Come back. 
back. Come back. Come back. Come back. Come back. She has to break Jack's hand off of her hand. Yeah, it's really because bad. Because their hands have frozen together. And we've seen the memes. She promised not to let go. Yeah, this fucking moment. And then she just has to let him drop into the ocean. I'll never let go. I promise. I had never seen a movie where the hero doesn't make it to the end. Yeah. Never, not once. And I remember sobbing like I had lost a family member. And it was ridiculous. And our father... love him to death. I'm in their room sobbing to mom because this has upset me so much. And he comes back and he's like, what's going on? Because I'm obviously very upset. Yeah, yeah. And mom, (laughs) I can't even breathe. I can't form sentences. And mom says very calmly, "Um, she watched Titanic. She found the ending very upsetting. And dad, who I'm sure thought something was terribly wrong, starts laughing at me. Guttural belly laugh. Yeah. He can't believe that's why I'm this he's just, upset. He's beside himself because it's the exact opposite of what he thought. <laughs> he thought something was really wrong and I'm crying about Leonardo DiCaprio. You almost think that she's going to give up. Then you're like, wait a minute. She's telling the story. She obviously gets out. Yeah. So she gets off of, she gets into the water and she swims over to where the officer on the deck chair is pulls the whistle out of his mouth and starts blowing on it as hard as she can with what breath she has left. I love the transition of her wet blue face blowing into the whistle right into Gloria Stewart's closed eyes. Oh, it's great. And the resounding whistle as it fades away. 1,500 people went into the sea when Titanic sank from under us. There were 20 boats floating nearby, and only one came back. One. She says six were pulled from the water, when in fact it was only five, but this is fiction. Duh. (laughs) I'm sorry. So, but this is fiction, and so... (laughs) It's not like I didn't think you were going to say that. It's just, I wanted to point it out. (laughs) And at about 4.30 in the morning, Carpathia finally arrives. We see Cal walking around on the deck of the Carpathia, trying to find Rose. She's hiding from him on Carpathia. (laughs) Yeah, she sure is. This is when you start to intellectualize that if she's hiding from Hawkley, she's hiding from her mother. Yeah. You know, as far as we know it, Rose never reunites with Ruth. Rose tells us while Hawkley is looking for her. That's the last time I ever saw him. He married, of course, and inherited his millions. But the crash of 29 hit his interests hard. And he put a pistol in his mouth that year, or so I read. When they arrive in New York, Rose gives her surname as Dawson. Mm-hmm. I just, I can't even, I'm going to cry again. Now, yeah, that shot where she's just staring at the Statue of Liberty. Yes. Uh, we get cut to Lewis, and Lewis is like, We never found anything on Jack. There's no record of him at all. No, there wouldn't be, would there? But now you know there was a man named Jack Dawson and that he saved me in every way that a person can be saved. Did we talk about this last time? About how it's easily fact-checkable? That That there was was a man named Jack Dawson on the Titanic? Exactly. I just don't understand why they would put that line in there. Why would they double down on that? There is a cemetery in Halifax, Nova Scotia in Canada 
that is dedicated to those who were pulled from the water a month later after the disaster. And Jack Dawson is one of the names in that graveyard. And I think that's where James Cameron took it from. Brock is reflecting. I wrote, Brock has a change of heart? <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think he comes to the position that I had at the beginning of the movie, which is, this is glorified grave robbing, Brock. Like, you're after a diamond. You're not here in pursuit of knowledge. You're not interested in what happened to these people. You're kind of being gross a little bit. Three years. I've thought of nothing except Titanic. But I never got it. I never let it in. And he's like, oh, wow, no, these were real people, and this was a real tragedy, and this is something we have to learn from, not profit from. Speaking of profit, we have okay. to talk okay. about the diamond. Okay. So we get this shot of old Rose in her skivvies. <laughs> She's going out onto the stern of the Keldish, and we're like, hmm, what are you doing? I can't and even. She steps up on the railing and I went, good idea for the hundred year old to get on the railing. <laughs> this is a great idea. She's just got this grin on her face. And you're like, when you're watching it, you're like, oh God, is granny going to jump? No, and just, this is such a great payoff. And then, you know, you get a shot of her hand and the heart of the ocean is in her hand. The million dollar diamond that Cal put in his coat and then put on her. I love it. It cuts to her on Ellis Island with her hand in her pocket and she pulls that diamond out and you're like, son of a gun. Yeah, you had the diamond this whole time. Deleted scene time. Okay. There is an alternate ending to this movie. Tell me about it. Gloria Stewart goes out on the deck of the Keldish, takes the diamond out. That sequence where Brock and Lizzie are talking. Yeah. That scene continues and Brock looks over and sees Rose on the stern of the Keldish. No. And it's just like, wait a minute. And like Lizzie and Brock run out there. <gasps> and what? Yeah. We'll look it up later. I I, I can't wait to show you. <laughs> oh and Gloria Sturt turns around with the diamond and goes, don't come any closer. What? I'll drop it. No. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, filmed Bro this? and Brock is just like, you had the diamond the whole time. <laughs> oh. And she basically says something to the effect of, you ain't shit, and this belongs to me. <laughs> and then drops it yeah. into the ocean. Yeah, and Brock does the whole thing where he runs to the rail and is like, no, 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 oh! Jesus, no! That really sucks, lady! Oh my God! Fun fact about the shot of the diamond swirling down into the ocean. Tell me. Both that and Jack's body fading away were filmed in James Cameron's backyard swimming pool. <laughs> I'm not fucking kidding. That is a thing. Oh Look it up. It's hilarious. And she just drops it into the ocean. I just love that. Ah. <laughs> no, she thinks it's cute. She and thinks it's cute that she just jumped all that, dropped all that money into the bottom of the ocean. Welcome uh. back to Kicking and Streaming Symbolism Corner. <laughs> Rose is giving her heart back to the sea. Oh, Lord. Back to Jack. It's so much money. I can't believe she kept it. I'm sorry. I'm going to try to get over it because you're right. It is symbolically very powerful. She could finally let go of that story. She she unburdened herself of it. I love this final sequence. The most popular song of all time up until that point starts to play. I, I bet you Celine Dion is still living on My Heart Will Go On Money. 
And you know, she didn't like it. She, I can't believe she didn't like it. She didn't like it at first. Everyone loved it. We go by, you know, in the beginning where she gets to the kill that she has to have all her pictures when she travels. And we get, you know, this nice shot of all of her photographs. And I just love that in all of the photographs, she's doing all of the things she and Jack said they would do together. She has a pilot's license. Yeah, she learned to fly a plane. That's so incredible There's to me. the picture of her on an elephant. Yes. And like all of these great things that she got to do with her life. That she would never have gotten to do if she'd married Cal. Yeah. Not the way she, not on her terms. Uh, the, through these pictures, we get to see the very satisfying, adventurous life that she has had. The final picture we get is of her on a horse at Coney Island on the beach. You can see the roller coaster in the background. Just like they talked about on the deck. I'm emotional. You need to clarify something for me. No, because I also have the question. Is the implication here that she dies? We fade. We have a great phantom sequence. <laughs> we go back through the wreckage of the boat. And as we, you know, go through the interior, it changes from boat wreck to like it was brand new mm -hmm. the day it sets sail. She walks through the grand staircase mm -hmm. reception area and everybody she's seeing is deceased. So is this heaven? It, that's what it looks like. I'd like to quote Cinema Sins here. Um, on Cinema Sins, the guy is like, "Are we supposed to believe that she did not join any of her, you know, her husband from her <laughs> lifetime? Yeah, in the afterlife, is this heaven?" And then when those guys opened the door for her, he was like, in heaven, these guys are still doormen. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love that video so much. The woodwinds start and she's walking by all these people. She walks by, you know, Hartley and, you know, Officer Murdoch and... Mr. Andrews, and she came back to be with this man she knew for four days in 1912? Is that what we're... Because <laughs> he's waiting for her at the top of the staircase. Make it count. Oh my god, meet me by the clock. And I love the dress she's in. I know, it's white. And so we get a final kiss, and I, everyone starts clapping, and you see Captain Smith stuck up there amongst everybody. Really? And everybody's clapping, and he's not. And right before he goes out of frame, he just starts to, he just smiles real big and starts to clap. And we go out with Celine. Every night in my dreams, I see you. I feel you. <laughs> I have so many emotions. Okay, I, I hate to say this. Because uh -huh. I know we're emotional right now. Uh -huh. But Mary was watching the end of this with me earlier. <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> Everybody's when everybody started clapping. Mary went, I don't get this. It's like, congratulations, you finally died. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird note. It's a weird note to end on. But it's beautiful. It is beautiful. It's just, I can't believe the journey of emotions I've been on. They re-released this movie in 2017, I believe, because it was 20 years. And they re-released it in 3D. It was and remains the only movie that I have ever seen by myself in the theater. It was released for the 100th anniversary of the sinking in 2012. Oh, that's what it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was the only movie that I've ever gone to by myself. I did not want to miss that because I couldn't really care 
about the 3D aspect of it, which admittedly was kind of cool, like especially with a lot of those wide shots and um, especially during the scene where the iceberg hits, you know, it, it was quite thrilling at times, but what I just didn't want to miss a movie of this scale on the big screen. Cause I was like four yeah, <laughs> or five when it came out. Yeah. So <laughs> one fun thing Mary said about the movie and she was like, here's what I hate about Titanic is that it makes you feel so gay about these two people. And then all warm and fuzzy. These thing. two people get everything they ever wanted. Yeah. And then it just gets ripped all away from them. It's torture. If this were, Mary said, if this were a movie about just the sinking of the Titanic, I could do that. But you throw this whole couple plot line in here <laughs> and it's wretched. Yeah, it it's really tough on your heartstrings. This film has been inducted into United States National Film Registry for its cultural significance. It tied with All About Eve for most nominations from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. The magnitude of this production is something that we will never really see again. Not practically, you don't think? It gives me the same feeling that The Dark Crystal does. The amount of practical effect that went into making this production, we just won't ever see anything like that again. Because we can do it for cheaper with a green screen. Exactly. I think that everyone who worked on that film, I, I think it's a really special memory for every single one of them. And maybe not Kate Winslet. Yeah, no, Kate pretty much hated most of that. But no, like she said, you'd have to give me a lot of money to work with James Cameron again. This film is, I think, one of the best meshes of historical authenticity and drama. James Cameron really did this story a service by incorporating everyone who was really there along with the fictional characters. Outside of those Dear America books that I would rent from the library, like, this was my first historical drama. It's a case study in arrogance. Titanic really proved to humanity that we are not on top. And, you know, we were in a very progressive era at the time internationally in terms of technology, politics. I think it's really sad that a lot of these souls didn't get to make it in America. It shows us a lot about how we treat each other based on class and money and how ugly that can get. The fact that many of these people were locked in to die so that the rich could live is just too fucking real. Until people make the conscious effort to love their neighbor no matter who they are and care about what happens to them, that is only when things can even begin to start to get better. guys it's april <laughs> it's disaster month it's just yeah apparently can i just go through a couple of titles here real quick uh-huh for those of you who know the only good thing that happens in april is 420 if you know you know i won't <laughs> go into deep i won't go into it deeper april is a month in which a fair amount of disasters have happened in the world chiefly hitler's birthday columbine rms titanic the boston marathon bombing 
Wow, really? The Oklahoma City bombing. Lots of terrible shit has happened in April. Lots of long things. But yeah, guys, it's April, so we're gonna have some more disaster flicks coming your way, aren't we? <laughs> and you know what? I realized, because we sometimes we like to have our shows planned out a couple weeks in advance mm-hmm. so we know what we're covering, and I realized that you can draw a six degrees of separation between all of our movies for the month of April. Yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah. This is true. Good old Bill. So yeah, mm-hmm. let's just let's get to it then. What feature are we covering next, brother? We are covering the 1996. Hey, your boy was born in '96. We're covering the 1996 disaster flick, Twister. Bill Paxton again. Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt. Where the fuck did Helen Hunt go? I don't know. <laughs> I literally haven't seen her since 1999. Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt. Also starring the mom from Still Standing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Philip Seymour Hoffman for some <laughs> weird reason. All right, guys. Where can they find us? You can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. And you can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And you can listen to us on Spotify now. Just four blocks west of 465 East <laughs> on Washington Street. And you can use all of our social media platforms to share the show with someone you like, someone you don't like, maybe, if you really want to punish them. <laughs> yeah, make them listen to us for three hours. It's a nice, this one was a nice little history lesson, right? Yeah, I, I think I think we did a really good job here. So, I mean, I'm proud to share this podcast with people. Absolutely. <laughs> Except maybe not our relatives, mm. who get to hear us swear all the time. Yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> I'm a little sorry about that. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, Mom. Mom.